Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yavamot, daf Yud Zion, page 17. Well, we're going to begin our discussion today with, I would say, one of the more famous uh, Gemaras or Machlakot that we have in the Gemara itself. And it's a very famous discussion between Beit Shammai and Beit Halal. It actually begins on the previous daf. So we actually, this is a very famous wedding song, uh, part of this particular b'risa. So the rabbis taught, how does one dance before the bride? In other words, when you're dancing before the bride, they also want to know, what do you say to the bride while you're dancing? The idea that sort of you saying something or said something to the bride is also sort of interesting. That's certainly not how I think most people dance, uh, but that's what this b'risa wants to explore. So Beit Shammai says, the bride as she is. In other words, basically, don't exaggerate. Don't say anything that isn't true. But say something about the bride that's actually who she is. So that's the song that we all sing, right? Right, which means she's a fair and attractive bride. So Beit Shammai says to Beit Hillel, Now, this is going to not sit well with us as modern people, okay? But uh, he wants to say, when you say, if you, Beit Hillel, would you say this to a bride who was a chigeret, who was lame, or a suma who was a blind, okay? We are, yes, this is totally offensive. Right, you're going to say to that bride, she's a kalanava chasuta. The Torah says, and here they quote a pasuk from Shmot, chapter 23, verse 7, that says, keep yourself from a false matter. In other words, Beitrami is basically saying, why would you compliment a bride, say she's kalanava chasuta, if it's not true? There may be a bride who's actually not that you couldn't actually say that of. Right, Amrulahem Beit Hello Lebechami. So Beit Hello replies back to Bechamai, Lidibrechem, Mi Shalakach Mekachra Minashuk, Yishbachenu Beinav, O Yiganeu Beinav. So he says, according to your statement, right, somebody who let's say buys something in the Shuk, which is inferior, should somebody praise it, right, to basically enhance the value in his eyes, or should they say it's not good to diminish its values in the purchaser's eyes? Have Omer, Yishbachenu Beinav. Right, the sages would say that you should still praise it. So, in other words, if somebody comes back from the shuk, let's say, with I don't know a a a, a piece of artwork, and you think it's ugly, but that person thinks it's beautiful, right? We've all been in positions like this. So you say, "Oh, that is beautiful," right? That is a beautiful piece of art. That's a beautiful vase on your table, even though you don't particularly like it. That's what the chachamim say to do, right? From here, the chachamim say. Right, a person's um, dot, like his disposition, should always be to So some English translations say to basically be empathic or courteous with all of God's creatures. In other words, with mankind, like you should, you know, make sure that you're talking nicely to people. And so therefore, right, once a groom marries his bride, to him, she's going to be beautiful. She's going to be, of course, she's a kal na and therefore you can praise her as such. So this is a very, very famous machloket uh, that appears in the Gemara. I think it's also very emblematic of who 
Beit Shammai is versus Beit Hillel, right? Beit Shammai sort of is the truth, their emet. There's sort of, you know, a little bit uh, on the Harif Machmer side. And then you have Beit, Beit Hillel that always appears to be a little bit softer, a little bit more mekel. And so I think that's why people also like this particular machlokas as well, besides sort of, you know, trying to think how you would say to a bride, Kala Kamot Shahi versus Kala Navachasuta. There's also sort of the quintessential Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai machlokas. And anything else you want to say? Anything you want to comment on that before I go on to the less famous part of this Gemara? <laughs> no, just that I think that everybody's going to be dancing in a different mindset with these words, right? It changes. It's not just a, a fun song anymore, right? No, it's that. That's also what's great. I think that's a great point to bring up. It's a song about a halachic discussion. It's not just like a nice wedding song. And I think that's a great point uh, to mention. So then the Gemara goes on to sort of give other examples of how they praised or danced with other brides, right? He wants to tell us what they sang before brides in Eretz Yisrael, right? Right? No eyeshadow, no rouge, no braiding in the hair. And yet she's like a uh, beautiful ibex. Another idea is she didn't even need to do anything to her beauty. She is just... Uh, she is just beautiful. And then the Gemara moves from there to examples of us praising Chazal, of praising other sages, right? And I think in a way, what they're trying to say is, is that Torah, right, is we know that the relationship between God and B'nai Israel is always spoken of as sometimes, sometimes not always, but metaphorically as sort of a, a, a husband and wife getting married or, or the giving of the Torah was a type of marriage. And so now we're sort of going to speak about Chazal in that way, in the sense of what praise was given to certain Tamidei Chachamim. Ki samchu Rabbanan Rabbi Zer. Rabbi Zer was giving smicha. Sharalei hachi lo kachav lo sharak v'lo perkus He was given the same compliment that the brides were given. Ki samchu Rabbanan Ami ulav Rabbi Asi. When they gave smicha the rabbis to Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, sharalehu hachi. Komin dein v'chomin dein. Right. So when they gave them smicha, they said anyone, anyone from people of this kind and anyone from people of that kind ordained them for us, for us, do not ordain for us others, neither from those who are, who have corrupt halachot, nor for those who have worthless halachot. Right. Some people say what they says is, not from those who provide one-fifth of the knowledge of, of, of halacha or for, who have an incomplete knowledge of halacha. Um, and then, uh, then they go on and they have uh, another compliment uh, of Rabbi Avahu when he once came back from the Bay, the Bay Kesar. Um, I'm skipping around a little bit just for the, the sake of time here. So when he sort of had a successful political trip, it says that the people would come out and greet him and sing to him, Rabba Daame Umidabrana, Dumate, Butsna, Dinuhura, Brich Matech Lishlam, right? Master of his people and leader of his nation, candle of illumination, blesses your arrival in uh, in your peace. And then the Gemara goes back to other things uh, that Chazal did to bring joy to brides and grooms, which is interesting that they sort of take this little break there. And again, I think the idea is to sort of compare our love of Torah or the joy we have with Torah 
with the joy that the groom has with his bride on his wedding day. And so now they go through what Rabbi Yehuda Barilai, what would he do? Shayano tell Bad Shel Hadas. He would take a myrtle branch, and he would dance before the bride and he would say, Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Atlat. Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak would dance on three myrtle branches, like he would juggle them. I'm a Ravi Zera, right? So I think, sorry, we've all gone to weddings where people do like certain types of what we call like the proverbial shtick. So this is already a discussion of that, right? Ravi Zera says, Ravi Zera says the old man is humiliating us. So in other words, Ravi Zera is saying is, is that this kind of contact, this dancing with the myrtle how people should behave. It wasn't nice for uh, Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak to actually behave this this way. And then it goes on to say, Kinach Nafshei, that when he died, right, Ipsik Amuda a pillar of fire demarcated, like came between him and everyone else. Ugimri Dela Ispik Amuda Denura, Ela I Lachad Bidada, Ilatre Bidara. And so we learn from this tradition that a pillar of fire demarcates only for one person in a generation or two people. So I think the idea is, is that actually, even though we're meaning to him, this demarcation after his death showed he actually was a great person. Um, and then, you know, finally, th- there's more of a discussion about exactly what this was um, uh, and a little bit more discussion about, uh, about the dancing. Um, but a very, very uh, interesting passage, we started with a very famous Machlokas, moved to a comparison between the joy of Torah or the praise we give Chachamim, which I think is comparable to the praise that we give a bride. And then, you know, sort of how did other Chachamim entertain brides uh, when they were getting married? Okay. Um, again, I would say this is like the joyous part of Masachet Kitubot. I'm going to take yes. us to the sadder part. Quite literally, we're going to be talking about funerals now. Which is, I think, part of the same discussion. What happens when a wedding will interrupt your daily life, so to speak, your regularly scheduled program? We, of course, know that this will also happen, that kind of interruption, um, perhaps even more so, when there's a funeral procession. Um, so it says, if you have a funeral procession, um, you're going to reroute the route you're gonna re whatever right you're gonna change your route of the funeral procession if there's a wedding procession already there right in progress right the bride's uh path is going to win so to speak but both of these meaning a funeral procession and also a wedding procession would um move over or you know again reroute themselves if the king of israel were also in that area, having his, you know, daily walk, whatever it's going to be, right? He's coming with his entourage. These other entourages, namely either funeral or wedding, do not take precedence over the king of Israel. Amru alav al-agripas melech she'avar milifnei kala v'shibchuhu chachamim. So what happens is a story about Agrippas, the king, that even though he wasn't required to do so, he allowed the wedding procession to take precedence. He kind of took his own different path and the sages praised him for doing so. Meaning this idea that the king is going to win is, you know, it's basically common sense, right? Nobody's going to really go toe to toe against the king. 
But, you know, in terms of priority, in terms of the, I don't know, the celebration, the celebratory aspect of the wedding, it seems to me that the Chachamim like the idea of prioritizing the wedding, even though they can't really do it, you know, but if the king himself does it, then that works. Now, the Gemara is going to explain exactly this, right? They praised him. So then, you know, the question is, what is it, how, what brought him really to do this act of like moving himself aside or yielding to the wedding? So this is going to take us again to a whole other area of discussion. And that is specifically the honor that is due various people, right? And Tamidei Chachamim are due certain certain um, honor and uh, Nasi, right? And Nasi being nowadays well, that would be a president, but right there in the time of Chazal, it's the I don't know the leadership of the community at the time, right? But that's and the the position is that Nasi is allowed to say no, no, don't mind me. Right, the idea of you don't have to stand up for me, or you don't have to move aside for me, you don't have to give me the honors. But a king cannot negate the honor that is due him. And again, the point there is that it's not really due him that man, right? It's due the office, and people need to continue to to pay that homage or honor or whatever to the to the king who holds that office. He can't negate it. He can't deny it. The Amarmar Shum. So I'm sorry. Som tasim alechem melech. The the reason or the rationale explained in the Gemara about why he cannot give it up is very specifically, there's a verse in Devarim that says, you shall place upon you, over you as a people, a king. Um, and we can remember, right, the people asked for a king. What does it mean that som tasim alecha, alecha on you, that the fear of him, awe of him, should be on you, so that that means you can't ever get rid of it, right? You can't ever act he doesn't get to say, no, no, we can be comfy here. We can be casual. The awe that you are supposed to have of the king is constant because of this word in the verse, Alecha. Parashat Rachim Havai. So the Gemara explains that this time when the king waved his honor, so to speak, right, and he allowed the wedding procession to take precedence, it was that they were really at a crossroads. And so then yielding, meaning letting the wedding go by first, wasn't like an obvious um, um, self-disparagement or something like that, that he's giving up his kavod, meaning if you're at a crossroads, so one person goes first and one person goes second, the fact that he allowed the wedding procession to go first wasn't an obvious um, acceptance of a demotion, so to speak, uh, of himself or of his own entourage. Okay. The Gemara goes on, and this is the part that I actually like the, the most in all of this context. Tana Rabbanan, mevatlin talmud Torah ulahotzat hamet ulahachnasat kara. The Gemara says, that Chazal said, that you you suspend, I guess, you cancel Talmud Torah. The mitzvah of studying Torah is um, held in abeyance while you are either removing a corpse for burial. I'm going to say a body. I, I prefer that term. Just corpse seems very grisly to me, right? You, you're going to take the body out for burial. You're going to um, go um, celebrate with a bride, right? These things, both of them, for that matter, will push anybody who's in the midst of learning Torah to hold it in abeyance. Amru alav al-Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Eli, 
And they said this specifically about Rabbi Yehuda bar that in fact he would, you know, stand up from his Talmud Torah for the sake of doing these mitzvot. So, like, when, when are you going to apply this? When do you say you get up from Talmud Torah? I mean, there's always going to be a funeral going on. There's often going to be a wedding going on. You could be running around from one to the next with never uh, an opportunity to sit down and learn Torah if that if that's the principle, right? If the principles that these mitzvot take precedence. So b'med varmamurim, what are we talking about? This is when there are not enough people doing these mitzvot, accompanying the body or being um, celebrate, celebratory with the bride. So then you kind of, you know, if there's not enough people there, do the honors, you know, get up from your Talmud Torah and go fill in what needs to be done. But if there's enough people there, then you stick with your learning Torah. Then you're doing your job, so to speak. Over there, you don't need to, they, they don't need you, so you don't cancel what you're doing. So I think we're seeing a few different Gemaras here as sort of the primacy of Torah, right? Like we're seeing one that has to do with we're going to praise Chachamim the same way that we praise a bride. And let's let's say one that like uh, getting married could be a source of one's greatest joy. And the same way sort of like are we Mavatel Torah in the time of one's greatest sorrow? Um, now, it's not talking about the person that they actually experience the death. It's about whether they should help with the mourners or help with the death itself. But it's interesting that they sort of like compare and contrast both these scenarios of the wedding and the funeral, which is something that we saw actually at the beginning of the Masachet and then relate it back to Torah itself. Um, yes, I think that's true. And of course, the the meta aspect of this should not be lost on us, right? Talking about the primacy of learning Torah when what you're doing to get that information is in fact learning Torah, right? And not standing up and going to a funeral or a wedding or any of these other types of things that might, you know, get in the way um, is is exactly what the, the daf is, right? Don't don't get up from your daf if you can, if cold sarkov, if all these things are being met. Um, and then that is the whole masachet, right? We're engaged in far more than a discussion about weddings and funerals and so on. Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff in our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 